Hello everybody and welcome to another Tale Podcast. I am Sol, your host, and today I am joined by Roshoni, the Rock and Roll Dragon. Hey, what's up everyone out there? So, today we've got a pretty good show for you guys lined up. Uh, gonna talk with Roshoni about his musical background, his shows that, that he performs at conventions, artwork that he does, which I didn't know until, you know, 30 minutes ago when he told me. And just a couple other things. So first off, do you want to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah. Um, for those people that uh, may have seen or heard about me in the fandom, uh, I am Roshoni, the Rock and Roll Dragon. Um, of course, my quote-unquote human name is Corey. People can call me Corey. I have, I have no problem with being called by my non-fursona name. Uh, it was a name I came up with when I was like 13, so... You know, it's just something that hung around with me for a while. Anyway, um, but yeah, uh, I've been doing music in the community for, I want to say, about three years that I've been performing as my character. Um, but before that, I had actually been involved with a couple, like, convention talent shows to get my uh, my feet wet in the experience. And um, even before then, I was, I had friends in high school that we had, like, a little crummy garage band and stuff like that. So overall, music's always been like a really big thing in my life. All right. Uh, where did your love of music come from? Wow. Um, a lot of that actually originated kind of from my family roots because, um, of course, my parents uh, growing up had a very modern taste in music. Like my dad uh, listened to a lot of like hard rock, heavy metal couple of times he would actually pick us up from school with like corn blaring out the stereo and everyone at the school would be like oh man your dude's uh, your, your dad's so awesome oh man um, but yeah um it's it goes even deeper than that because uh my my grandparents on my mom's side of the family uh, especially my grandfather uh he was a organ player um that used to participate in a lot of like musical events and stuff around like the Detroit area he was like uh, really involved with the music scene right around the time that Motown was in its heyday. And so like my uncles, they uh, kind of got me into uh, playing drums and things like that. And it wasn't until later on, uh, let's see, right halfway around middle school time where I picked up a guitar. Um, but even then, I, I always had this love for like classic like rock music and things like that. Um, but yeah, I had, I had tried to get into band when I was in middle school and just found myself miserable. Oh, no. Um, I, had origi I had originally auditioned for like percussion because I was like, oh, I want to learn how to play a drum kit, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, when they have you audition for a like school band, they take you into the little room and they're like, all right, try some of these things and whatever, you know, whatever you can make a sound out of that doesn't sound like crap, that's what you're going to be saddled with for like the next five six years yeah and you know so they get me i i tried you know doing a beat with the drum and they're like ah now here here's a trumpet now you're a trumpet player <laughs> oh no and, you know so so i got stuck playing a trumpet for several years and it wasn't until i'm like you know what i'm miserable i don't i don't like doing this at all i'm i'm gonna i'm done <laughs> i'm done playing <laughs> i'm <the> done <laughs> um but i i am thankful at least for like the study of the music you know i always was good with rhythm and like being able to match pitch but theory was one thing that 
everyone that has an interest in music, I think, should brush up on. Um, I still can't read sheet music to save my life, but uh, you know that's basically where I got my start. Right. And then halfway halfway through middle school, I gave up the trumpet and picked up a guitar and haven't looked back since. Okay, that that's awesome. It's really nice that you grew up with a lot of different music in your childhood. I had I had both kinds of music, country and yeah. western. If you get oh, that no. reference, I oh, love no. you. Okay, okay, little little <clears throat> sidebar to that. Um <laughs> my my mom, I mean bless her heart, she loved listening to like Shania Twain and Dixie Chicks. And of course, back in the day my parents loved to listen to like Garth Brooks and things like that. So like I did, I did have that experience growing up, but thankfully they moved on. Um, but I thought it was funny, uh, especially early on, uh, really early in my life. Uh, my dad had this old cassette tape of like the original devil went down to Georgia. Oh, I, I still love that song to this day. Um, but I think the funny part is, is he would pop it in the, the uh the cassette player in his truck when he was driving me and my sister um to catholic school (laughs) (laughs) but anyway (laughs) but yeah i i know the experience of having the uh overwhelming country influences yeah (laughs) all right so that's a musical background what about you said you were performing in the furry community for three years but about before that, how long were you in? Oh yeah, um, I want to say the last time I actually like measured it, uh, I believe I really, you know, established myself. Oh, I made my uh, fur affinity page uh, way back in two thousand eight. I mean that that basically counts, right? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's typically what I go by. I'm like the earliest account I can find is oh nine. So. Yeah, yeah. So I want to say, I want to say that I've been in the community since then, but even before then, like back in the days when, you know, DeviantArt wasn't, you know, completely crap. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't, I'm not knocking DeviantArt. It's still a valid art site if people want to post on there. Um, But it was always kind of a fringe interest of mine. It was almost like one of those guilty pleasure things where I'd click on the furry tab. I'm like, oh, man, that's cool stuff. <laughs> Just don't but, let anybody um, else see you do it. Yeah, it was it was one of those things where, you know, <clears throat> now I, I, I couldn't give a crap about it anymore. But yeah. like back in the day, there was like this big social hang up like mm, furry stuff. Um, but even before then, of course, like growing up, I had a lot of influences when it came to like the uh, animated Disney classics. Of course, everyone in their left furry cousin is going to say that. But um, yep. um, for me, honestly, I think my biggest connection was um, the original like Sonic the Hedgehog cartoons and comic books. Okay. Um, and of course, you know, once you mix Sonic with the internet, you get amazing things for better or for worse. Uh, Show me delay. Oh. <laughs> I couldn't resist. I had to. I was gonna say, is that meme not dead yet? Uh, it might be. I'm just. I'm just old. <laughs> no, it's even worse because someone someone did a Photoshop of the latest Sonic trailer and changed it so that his face looks like Uganda Knuckles. Oh no! <laughs> God, we're no. going off the rails here. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, like the uh. 
the character Sonic was always one of my favorites growing up, especially with being such a huge gamer. Um, when I was little, like age three, I was playing like Sega Genesis and had the original Sonic game. So, you know, from the cradle, I was like a closet furry, I guess. <laughs> so to get even further off topic here, how do you feel sure. about this new Sonic movie? Man, that's the problem I have with Sonic in general is that once you go past a certain era, it just completely lost me. Okay. Like, I was one of the fans that I liked keeping up with the comic book, and I loved the original, like, Saturday morning cartoon. Um, but even even the comic itself started to get into more teen drama stuff than actual, like, you know, action story. And so once it started getting into that kind of field, I was like, you know what? I'll, I'm done. I, I had my fill. I enjoyed the comics while I enjoyed them, and, you know, I'll always like the comics before that part. But anyway... Um, when it came to the games, uh, just in my gaming life, I've always been like a generation or two behind the current standard when it came to that kind of stuff. So when people were playing like the Dreamcast and then the games that came out later for like, uh, what was it? Uh, the GameCube, I think had like Sonic Adventures and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. The GameCube had a few of them. I was so far behind on that. Like I, I never even tried those games when they came out. Cause I never had the chance. And when I had the chance, like later on to try them, I'm like, just, this isn't, this isn't what I remember. This game wasn't for me. I just don't like it. Yeah. That um, shift from 2d to 3d was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but to, to, to frame that back into your question, basically I'm a classic Sonic fan in that, I appreciate the starting point for Sonic, but I don't really care for what it's become. And I'm not involved enough in that love for that subject to really defend it in any way. So honestly, is it's just like any other thing. Oh, I roll. Let's let's just move on. You know, I get that a lot of people are frustrated with it. And if I was more invested, I would be too. But I've been disappointed so often as far as it comes to the old stuff that I like. I don't, it doesn't really affect me anymore, <laughs> I guess. You've, you've had chance five and six and this is on 15 and you're just done. You know, and I mean, I, I still hear the people that argue that, oh, the new, some of the newer Sonic games are good. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, What was that one uh, retro style Sonic, Sonic Mania? Yes, yeah, that one. I that's bought a good that one, one like day one when it came out because I'm like, yes, this is the Sonic I remember. This is the Sonic I love, and I still love it. Yep. Um, but even then, you know, it wasn't something that I was gonna be like, yeah, oh, I gotta sing my sing this thing's praises to the ends of the earth. It was like, okay, this was great, but I'm not gonna like put all my eggs in one basket as far as like appreciating one thing, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, movie-wise, I just think they they just shouldn't have done it at all. Fair I enough. mean, w- with the track record that the Sonic team has, I just think they shouldn't have tried. I mean, <laughs> I it, th- there is no reason for them to make this movie other than like the movie company being like, "Oh, let's let's pick up a license." and like see what merchandise we can make off of this yeah let's let's cash cow this thing and you know 
And that's what what also drives me nuts is that Jim Carrey was also one of my my favorite actors growing up because he was the crazy goofball that I wanted to be. Yep. And even nowadays, Jim Carrey is just like, I don't even know, man. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like two things that I liked in my childhood coming together in a way that I never wanted. And it's just like, yeah, I'll pass. The, I mean, maybe if if it ends up on Netflix, I'll see it. But even then, if it starts getting too painful, I'll just not watch it. <laughs> the movie that you never wanted. Basically. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So <clears throat> to kind of get back on track a little bit. So sure. you said um, how long you've been in the community for, but what got you in? Well... <clears throat> I mean, there there was there was the whole instance where you know I had my initial interest sparked when you know I, I I had loved the original Sonic games and the comic books and things like that, and it only took a matter of time for me to find that stuff online and being like, oh, let's look up some of these artists that are actually involved in making this comic, um, and you know it one thing led to another and it was just uh, kind of connecting the dots at that point, um what got me into the community i mean you you can make a page on on fa and never post any art you can make an account and just like appreciate the art for what it's worth never really involve yourself in community i want to say what got me in was actually meeting someone in real life that did furry artwork um it was when i was in college um i went to uh college for creative studies in detroit and uh, if anyone out there recognizes the artist named Ifus, that's I-F-U-S. Um, she's a blue and white husky. And uh, she, I actually ran into her on campus. She was drawing like uh, canine furry artwork. And I'm like, oh my God, are you a furry? And she's like, yes, I am. And I'm like, awesome, we should hang out. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it was within that first year of getting to know her that she had actually invited me to my first convention at motor uh it wasn't motor city it was a uh, furry connection north at the time oh way back um, when yeah so i think it was like 2012 ish maybe i can't honestly it's been so long i can't remember uh, yeah um but yeah she um she was awesome because she was able to uh get me a room uh let me room with her at the time and uh I even got to try on one of her partials and, uh, you know, clown around the convention for a while and just getting that, like there there's, there's dipping your toe in the fandom. And then there's like jumping into the deep end. Yep. This was my jumping into the deep end. Nice. Um, Cause like, this was my first experience actually being around fursuiters and like this many people involved in the community all at once. And like I said, day one, I had a partial on and I was running around the con. I'm like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> um, you got to experience day one what most people don't get to experience in three years. Yeah, I know. It's like it was one of those experiences that like I had never expected to have that much fun with. At, at the time, I had just thought this would be like my, you know, my side thing just to, you know, occasionally go online and check out artwork and things like that. But once I, once I actually went to my first convention, it was just like open my eyes to what could be, you know what I mean? Yep. And especially seeing, uh, I think it was at my first convention. I think it was Bucktown tiger. 
had performed in suit playing piano. And that was another eye opener for me. I'm like, that's a thing. (laughs) 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 Just like taking two of my interests and combining them. I was just like, peanut butter and chocolate. Oh my God. (laughs) The best of both worlds, man. But yeah. um, I mean, I was... I was more than a toe deep in the community at that time. I was probably like knee deep, but that was what, you know, got me in over my head in a good way. Um, but yeah, uh, honestly, it was just the, the willingness to experience the fandom as a whole, I guess that really got me. Um, trying to think of what else, but yeah, that's basically it. All right. Good. Good to know for sure. It's it's awesome that people in the community can uh, not interact. What's the word I'm looking for? They bring in so many different things to make it just this melting pot of if oh, yeah. you want something, there's other people that do that thing. Right. <clears throat> so how did you end up where you are doing your stage performances, your, um, you mentioned talent shows, your... Kind yeah. of where did you get your popularity from? I, w- I wouldn't even call it popularity, really. Um, honestly, okay, my my start was first witnessing that, you know, suitors playing music, especially like Bucktown. I was like, oh, my God, I got to work myself up to that. Um, before that, music had always been another side hobby of mine that I hadn't really put much effort into. It was like. I'm going to just start stockpiling instruments and do this in my spare time. Cause it makes me happy. Um, but once I figured out that, you know, there were these opportunities at cons for like, you know, talent shows, things like that. I was like, Oh my God, I can, I can be in an, in a room with an audience that isn't, you know, some skeevy bar that has an open mic, you know? So honestly it was the best first, like, solo stage experience you could have for i mean for anyone for anyone interested in performing about like anything up on stage a con is basically the best place you can do it without worrying about any sort of like negative crowd interaction you know what i mean because any any like open mic bar is gonna have that one drunk guy that's just yelling at everyone you know what i mean yep yep and probably one of the great things too is the fur community is very positive and you probably have somebody handling all the AV and everything in the back for you. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, the, the AV crew at any convention is usually just, they don't get enough credit, I'm telling you right now. Because uh, most most to half of the staff, even on the AV team, can consist of plenty of volunteers just like running around plugging things in. Of course, you have like the professional guys like Adi, um, big shout out to Adi, by the way. Uh, he's usually the head AV guy for a lot of the popular cons. Um, I don't know if you've ever met him, uh, but he's an awesome guy. So shout out to Adi. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> getting back to what we were talking about. Uh, yeah, so I started performing at uh, talent shows during cons, and uh, it kind of, kind of gave me my stage legs, you know. Um, because beforehand the only time i'd ever really been up on stage would be like during you know like school recitals or like 
the one time my cruddy garage band in high school got to play in the auditorium. Um, and even then it was the only time I'd ever been by myself on stage was first at like uh, furry connection North when I played. And uh, if anyone was interested, they can probably dig up that one first time on YouTube somewhere. Um, it's probably on one of my old channels. Uh, but yeah, once I once I started getting a real idea for how things worked, like, you know, performing at cons, I started to formulate the scheme of like, you know, oh, I'm going to make this stage character and I'm going to, you know, have my own show and I'm going to do all sorts of stuff. Um, but basically it was just, a you know, a, a long, long term investment working up to that far. Um, shoot, I, I, you know, I never expected to actually get the time that I did um, for let alone the first concert I played by myself. Um, I've just been so blown away and flattered that so many different cons have ha wanted to have me as a performer, just because especially I know with um, bigger names that, you know, need the stage time, especially like special guests of a con or even bigger names like Uncle Kage or even like uh, the stuff that really takes up a lot of like people's attention, which is like the fursuit dance competitions, things like that. I'm, I'm in direct competition with all of that to just to get time on a stage. Yeah. So just, just the fact that people running these cons are like, yeah, we'll give you a time slot. I'm, I'm like more than flattered to take that time that they're offering. You know what I mean? So how many cons have you played? Is it mostly MCFC or have you gone to other conventions and performed as well? Yeah. Um, MCFC was the con that I performed the most times at, um, being the first time I actually performed in suit was just at a talent show. Um, shoot. I should, I should have looked this up so I could, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. This year. Um, but yeah, um, I'm trying to think because I had also done a show at um, what was it? Uh, Indie Fur Con that was in Indiana. Okay. Um, actually, that was the first con that had actually given me a concert slot. Um, the only problem was it was at the exact same time as the fursuit uh dance competition and oh, main no. events. So there was maybe like four or five people in the secondary events room. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Yeah. Was that a bit heartbreaking to see or did you kind of expect that going in? I kind of expected that because I looked at the schedule. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I was kind of grateful just that I didn't have to deal with a room of people like to, to entertain a whole room of people at once being my first like extended performance. Yeah. Because it's, it's one thing when you're involved with a talent show and you do your one song or your one dance and then get off the stage. It's another thing to do like an entire set while you're in fursuit and like still keep the show going without being like, all right, I need like a minute. Cause I can't breathe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it it did. If anything, it was a good practice run for me. Okay. Um, I was still grateful they gave me like you know the time to begin with, but I'm also kind of grateful that I didn't have that much of an audience my first time around. <laughs> um, but yeah, other than that, I've also performed at um, uh, Fur Reality in Ohio. 
Um, and that was actually this past year, last year in uh, October, um, I was actually guest of honor, um, which was an amazing experience for me. Uh, and I'm actually going to be back there uh, this year in October as well. Not not necessarily as a special guest, but they did want to have me back as a performer. So I'm basically all but guaranteed another uh, concert, which is awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm trying to remember. So there was Indie FurCon, Fur Reality, Motor City FurCon. I think, I think that was it basically. Um, oh, I've also performed at um, Anthrocon a couple times, but those were only like for their um, variety show, uh, The Masquerade. Okay. Um, those were, wow, those were amazing to play to like the main stage. I mean, if anyone's ever attended AC and they've seen how full, how packed the main events room gets during like stuff like that, it was like the biggest audience I've ever played to. Yeah, I I can imagine. Um, but yeah, um, I think that's basically all the cons I've actually performed at. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> now, uh, have cons kind of become more of like a job to you since that? Or are they still like, go have fun and just do this one thing and you're done with that one thing? Oh, no. It, the thing is, once, especially if you're a music performer... I, I get how other people that have been doing it for a long time have kind of slipped into the rhythm of things. I'm still figuring everything out. So a lot of the times cons are work for me. Um, I'm usually having to set time aside to rehearse in my room. Um, a lot of like my packing nowadays is usually just trying to get all my equipment sorted, making sure things are you know tuned up and maintained and uh, everything like that. So I basically have to do twice the planning and packing and, you know, scheduling that anyone else attending the con has to do. That's not, you know, going to be up on stage. Um, after, after the show is over, is that weight kind of like lifted off your shoulders and then you can go out and have a good time? In a way, yes. Um, <laughs> honestly, half the time that I've found that I've had shows to do and then finally been done with it what'll happen is uh, there's still the whole ordeal of packing everything up afterwards. But once that's done and over with, usually I'll just go to my room and veg. Cause it's like, nah, my, I'm done. I'm just, <laughs> I'm unplugging for the night. Tapped out for the day. Yeah. Um, I mean, there definitely is like a mood shift once you finish a performance like that. Um, but then, then the existential dread sets in of like, oh man, I'm remembering every mistake I did. Uh. <laughs> Looking back at all of the small details that nobody yeah. probably knows happened. Exactly. Um, but yeah, there, there is a definitely half and half to experiencing the after show. Um, it's It's great meeting people afterwards, but it kind of sucks if I'm, you know, not at my best right after a show. Um, so if anyone, if anyone like after a show wants to come up and talk to me, I'm more than willing. It's just that I'm probably just going to be half in half out most of the conversation. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's lucky you caught me when you did do this, uh, this whole discussion because, you know, sure. I just got off work, but I'm, I'm still awake. <laughs> yep. 
<laughs> still existing, still mentally aware. Um, at least to some extent. Uh, so little side note here. One of my one of my friends said that your cousin is is a drummer in his band. Yes. Um, Spearmint, if that name rings a bell. Spearmint. Um, yeah, he goes up to Ludington, I guess. Yeah, no, I I haven't. I don't think I know of him. Okay. I'm, I I apologize in advance to anyone if I forget your name or if I've met you before and I don't remember your face or anything like that. I have bad memory to begin with. Like the people that I work with that I see on a daily basis, I have to relearn their names like over the course of a month if they're new. So <laughs> I apologize in advance if there's anyone that I met that I don't remember. Um, but yeah, I have a cousin. Uh, he has his own um, independent band. I think they're called Bog Wizard. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. that's the one. They do like black metal, like fantasy inspired stuff. Yep. Yeah, um, they're working on an LP, I think, right now. Or EP, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Honestly, I haven't seen that cousin yeah. since, like, um, I think it was a, another relative of ours got married and uh, we went out play, to play paintball. <laughs> Ooh, um, fun. Yeah, um, no, that's another story. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, uh, he actually is known online as a Team Fortress 2 map maker. Okay. Um, if anyone's heard of him, his name is uh, UEAK Crash or U Crash. And he has, uh, I actually have his Discord channel right here. Um, no, but uh, he has a YouTube channel where he does map building stuff and uh live streams uh map building things so he's, he's really big in the tf2 community okay uh so shift the boat focus focus back to you uh <laughs> do you plan on expanding your shows at all like i remember four or five years ago back when i saw fox and peppers for the first time it was just those two on stage and now all of a sudden they have a bassist they have a drummer they have normally somebody with like a saxophone or flute and do you plan on getting any of that? Honestly, I would love to. Um, on like since I first conceived of performing on stage as my character, I have had my wheels spinning on wanting to either put together a group, or, you know, you know. Before I go any further, there is another group that had invited me. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. it they're going to they're going to hate me for this. Um uh, I think the band is called We Are One and uh it's an all fursuit music group. Um they should be performing at Anthrocon this year. Um and they're headed by um this guy, he's a drummer, um Runt. I don't know if anyone's heard of him that would be watching this podcast. Um but he's a uh, he's a Red Panda, I believe. And uh, he's played for Fox and Peppers before um, as their, like, uh, session drummer. And he he's, like, stupid talented. Um, but he's been putting together a group to play this year at Anthrocon. Unfortunately, I couldn't be there this year. Um, so I hope that goes well for those guys. But I would love to start recruiting people um, to either be, like, session musicians, to either be... Rep- replaceable members that that can or cannot make it to certain cons um but 
it's been a huge dream of mine to put together uh, like a fursuit rock group. Um, and it's funny that you ask that because the drummer that played with Fox and Pepper this year, um, shoot, let me see if I can look her up real quick. If I have her, I know, I know I was in contact with her for a while. I believe she goes by Roman. That sounds right. I remember they announced her at at um, the shows because she played like everybody's yeah. show. Yeah, that's what I mean. She's like the do it all drummer for those guys, apparently. Um, yeah, I think she has a hyena character. Uh, but anyway, um, she actually came up to me at MCFC this year and she was like, oh my God, I'm a huge fan of yours. I would love to play with you someday. And I'm like, yes, please. You're oh. awesome. Man. So I'm like, it was one of those moments where both of us were just like, hey, I like what you do. Hey, I like what you do, too. Let's do stuff together. I'm like, OK. <laughs> um, so I may or may not have a drummer lined up for next year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've already been collaborating with um, Citrine Husky. Uh, he's an, an amazing vocalist and acoustic guitar player. And I've had him on for a couple songs during my sets over the years. Um, I would I would love to include him in basically whatever I do in the future because he's just he's just that much of an awesome person to have on your side. Um, but yeah, I mean, officially or unofficially, I would basically say I'm I'm looking for people. Okay, um, all right. If anybody <laughs> listening here uh, plays any instruments pretty well, hit this guy up. <laughs> Instruments. <laughs> yeah. No, but I would I would love to expand it into an actual like band because there's only so much you can do as a as a single person performance. And I get that, you know, I'm not gonna pull in that much of a crowd compared to like a well known group like Fox and Pepper. Um but just the stage presence alone, just having people on the stage to do the music with you is more than enough. Um, it, it adds so much to the experience as a whole, just to see that many people involved in the same thing. And uh, when you see one person on stage, you're just like, Oh, that one person's all right. He's having fun, but it doesn't get people on their feet the same way a band does. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The energy is different. Exactly. <clears throat> Which is also why I've also been really grateful that um, the band Zephyr has wanted to collaborate with me a couple times. Yeah, um, I saw you play with them at MCFC. That was a good yeah, show. That was awesome. And so was uh, collaborating with them last year when they did their show as well. Right. Yeah, last year was a big one because uh, something pretty important happened on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we might talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> Uh, I had a question here, but I don't know where it went. So I'll move on to the next one that I have written down. Sure. Um, you mentioned earlier before the podcast that you learned to play trumpet way back when. Yes. And obviously you play guitar. What else do you play? Oh, geez. Um, let's just say uh, when I first picked up guitar, I was 16. Um, I believe I was either 16 or 17. And since then, I'd been just slowly adding to my arsenal. Um, I want to say, let's see, 
I want to say, okay, this is going to sound really geeky of me, but I, I, when I was little, uh, my uncle on my mom's side had a drum kit perpetually set up in my grandparents' basement. And whenever I had the chance as a little kid, I would sneak down and start making noise with it. Um, so I always had the affinity for playing the drums and it wasn't until uh, Rock Band came out, the video game, that I was like, I need this in my life. Um, <laughs> and so I absolutely oh, begged my parents to get like the full band kit for that game. And basically for an entire year straight, I either like let my guitar sit to the side because I was playing drums on Rock Band too much. <laughs> Um, or, you know, I, I just started to become obsessed with playing the drums for rock band. And then over the course of, after working my first job, as soon as I saved up enough money, I bought an electric kit from my local music shop. And basically ever since I've been annoying all the people around me. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, I moved on from guitar to drums and then within like a year or so of that, um, my my mate Ketchup Kitty had actually bought me a bass for um, my birthday back in the day. And I picked that up because, you know, you can have a guitar and, and drums and actually put together like a, a beat and melody, but you need a bass if you want to actually start putting together music. Right. Um, so she gave that to me as a gift for my birthday and I started learning on it, which a lot of, a lot of technique for guitar transfers to bass. It's just a whole different setup you have to worry about. I'm not a bassist by any stretch of the word because I don't know the actual bassist techniques. Do I know how to actually play notes on a bass? Yes. Do I know any actual bass techniques? No. <laughs> um, so I've just been kind of, you know, faking my way through playing bass. Pluck the strings um, and make noise. Yeah, you know, basically. Um, and then, of course, like, I've always kind of liked to sing to the radio uh, ever since I was little, but it wasn't until I started getting really serious about it that I started practicing vocals. So I do a little bit of everything, really. Um, One-man band over here. Well, I mean, basically... Uh, if anyone has ever seen my live shows, all of the tracks that I use as my backing tracks that I play guitar and sing over, those are all recordings of me. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, basically, what I do is I I learn a song verbatim, bass, drums, vocals, guitar, all of it. I do a cover of it at home, record it all, and take out the guitar and sing and vocals so I can do that live. All right. Uh, do you uh, do you compose your own music, or do you mostly play covers? I I have been composing music like here and there just to like satiate my own curiosity for years. Um, but the only fully like realized song I have is the one song that I've used to open my set the last couple of times that I've had concerts. Um, so if you guys are ever in attendance, like that first opening song is always probably going to be my own original song. Um, I have other music that's in the works. However, with realizing my own limitations as far as like mixing and mastering stuff at home, I want to kind of wait until I get more professional help to actually, you know, get any sort of music down to even think about maybe making an album. 
Um, but yeah, I've, I have a lot of like unfinished music projects that I want to one day release. It's just a matter of time. Um, it also doesn't help that I don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of really. And since music in itself is more of a collaborative than, I mean, sure. There's lots of great composers out there that can put out stuff on their own. I, I need someone else to bounce ideas off of, and it just kind of sucks with me doing everything by myself. Hence all the covers. Yeah. Uh, so Ari, we got a question from the chat here. Ari asked, hmm. what is your go-to mic on stage? Or is that supplied by the con? Oh yeah, that is, that is always supplied by the con. Um, just because it's, it's their sound system. It's, it's their rental equipment. If it, if it isn't rental equipment, then it's whatever equipment belongs to the staff. Um, I know just from reputation, um, a go-to mic for a lot of people use like SM58s. Those are going to be like your standard, um, your standard stage mic for basically any use, uh, especially for vocals. They're 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 kind of like the industry standard for like baseline. Uh, vocals you can get better vocal mics but the sm58 is usually going to be something that you can get at a fair price and not have to worry about getting beat up um oh they're, they're also asking do you have one for recording uh yeah um the mic that i'm using right now is it's another kind of entry level mic um it's let's see uh it is a m1 uh microphone by art um they're roughly about 100 125 bucks uh it's uh but it's also a condenser mic which means that it has a wider range of um frequencies that it can pick up and it's also super super sensitive um so this is one of the mics where you have to actually worry about like a recording setup with like sound dampening so you don't have echoes on the walls right now you can probably hear that in the recording right now because i'm just in my bedroom and like my walls are bare um but yeah since this this uh condenser microphone it's so sensitive that's when you have to start worrying about putting up like the soundproofing foam and you know dialing in your compression and all that kind of stuff um but yeah basically any any condenser microphone is what a lot of studios use i I at least think, but the one I use is just M1. It's it's called an M1 art mi microphone, and uh, it's great because it has a, a a monitor channel. You can literally plug your headset in right to the back, so you can actually hear yourself as it's coming through the mic. Okay, thank you for that question, Ari, and thank you, Roshoni, for answering that. Oh yeah, definitely. If anyone else in the chat has any other questions, I'd be more than willing to answer. Yeah, definitely. I, we love uh, chat involvement here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, on to your performances. What what are some of the challenges that you've had to overcome? Earlier, you mentioned, like, you're in suit, you're doing many things in a row, and you're oh, just boy. dying inside. How do you get over that? <laughs> well, um, I actually have a, a video about this on my YouTube channel where I go really in-depth on uh, fursuit performance as a whole and, like, performing music at a con. Um, so if you wanted to check that out, that's on my YouTube channel at rock and roll dragon. Um, but anyway, basically what it comes down to is you're dealing with 
performing in suit in general, you're dealing with <clears throat> limited vision. You're dealing with um, higher temperatures that can lead to heat exhaustion or heat stroke, dehydration if you're not drinking enough fluids, um, and all the hazards that come with those limitations. Like, um, for instance, uh, not knowing where the edge of a stage is while you're walking around. Um, or um, if you're using any sort of prop or instrument or anything that you're having to handle while you're in suit, uh, you lose a lot of like where that object is, um, especially with the limited vision. And if you're using paws or like gloves on your hands, um, like I, I use gloves that are specifically designed to play string instruments while I'm playing guitar. So I don't lose a lot of like dexterity, but since I literally can't glance over to my guitar neck, um, a lot of the times I have to rely on muscle memory to uh, feel where my fingers need to be for playing different notes and chords. Um, but yeah, you really have to be able to compensate for all of that just constantly. Um, it also de like it depends on your familiarity with the music you're playing, um, your instrument itself, and your familiarity with your suit as a whole. Um, I know of some people that can marathon suit for hours and hours and hours on end, and more power to them. But usually after a show, I have to like de-suit at least for a while just to catch my breath. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in and. I'll, I'll be straight up. There are days where like, uh, even when I have to do like a performance or a stream in suit, there'll be days like, Oh man, I got to put this stuff on again, <laughs> um, where I'm just not feeling it. So it's, it's definitely a labor, but it's a passionate one. Okay. Uh, what are some things you didn't quite expect when you started performing? Like something that surprised you or, well, I mean, I, for, for better or worse, I was only maybe half prepared for like the physical exhaustion. Um, things I weren't prepared for. Uh, honestly, I would have never guessed that within a couple of years of playing that I would have been invited to cons like as a guest or like literally have people reach out to me and be like, Hey, I want to collaborate with you or, Hey, I want you to come to this con. Um, you know, maybe, maybe that's just the part of my brain that's like, you know, stay humble, dude. <laughs> um, but I, I never expected the feedback that I have gotten. Um, but, uh, things I didn't expect now, now is this, is this what I didn't expect playing the shows or like cons in general? Um, I guess it can be both. Okay. Well, <clears throat> Well, of course, nothing will ever prepare you for a con, like especially a fur con, because I'll be straight. You see some shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the same token, like once you're familiar with the kind of environment a con is, it's like, oh, that's that's OK. I've seen worse. Um, but it's it's a lot of energy. Like you don't, you don't expect it to hit you that way, but it does. So un unless you're like uh, a person that's really good with crowds, 
um, which to begin with, I wasn't just because I wasn't in a really good headspace at the time. But uh, just the sheer amount of people just all walking around and able to communicate with each other like they're friends. You know, sure, sure, you have clicks. You have you have people that don't really like to interact that much with just anyone. But no one's just going to brush you off and be like, get out of my face, you know. So it was a whole new friendly atmosphere experience. Um, let's see. As far as, like, things I didn't expect with performing, I didn't expect... <clears throat> I didn't expect to to have it be this kind of a competition um, as far as like stage time, which don't get me wrong. I have more, more respect for anyone that does this on a regular basis, especially like the big names that get priority. Um, like, like I had mentioned earlier, like uncle Kage and Fox and peppers and like the fursuit dance competition, all these things like that. Those things deserve to be front and center because they're such a huge part of the community and they're like a guaranteed draw for the con for people to attend and enjoy. Um, I never expected to have to basically like, um, how would you say, uh, not necessarily like demand, but also like try over and over and over again to just get my foot in the door sometimes. Um, because there, there were times where they wanted me to perform that they were just like, oh yeah, we're just going to put you in secondary events because we don't have a slot for you. Um, and it wasn't until like I had stepped forward and been like, hey, I'm okay with cutting my set down to a certain amount of time if I can get time on the main stage. So it's kind of been an uphill climb, but at the same token, I realize why. You know what I mean? So... A shorter time slot on the main stage is better than a longer time slot on a second stage? Yes. To me, yes. I, I don't mind cutting songs from my set list. I don't mind rushing through different like material that I have um, just so that I can perform on the main stage. I would rather I would rather spend a half an hour on the main stage than two hours in a secondary events room. And don't get me wrong like some some cons they have a bigger audience for their secondary events depending on what's going on but i mean i can't help it i'm a little bit greedy because once once you get a taste of like the big crowds you can potentially play to it's just like i need the i need more people I need more people you know <laughs> yeah you have it once and then you don't want to lose it again yeah uh not to mention that uh the main event usually has a better sound set up too uh, so yeah yeah that's probably a bit of it too yeah <clears throat> so what is your favorite part of playing shows favorite part of playing shows um honestly honestly it's it's when i actually see the crowd getting pumped for what i'm doing that is like the best thing i've i've seen um in my years of performing i mean don't get me wrong there, there's always that sense of when someone gets up on stage that you feel like uh any of any of the um applause is just kind of humoring the person you know it's like oh i'm not really that good they're just clapping because they want me to make me feel better um but to actually hear people like getting into it 
because like the music is moving them to do so it's just like ah oh, just what an experience um like that that's one reason why i think like several covers that i do will m probably be staples of my set list just because they're they're guaranteed things to get people involved and like up off their feet and like you know pumping their fists uh for instance like uh whenever i pay, play um basket case by green day everyone just goes nuts and i'm like yes <laughs> um but yeah that so far that's been like my best experience um oh wait i'm sorry i'm <laughs> i'm totally forgetting um my other best experience um that was definitely um performing with zephyr doing a couple cover songs and having them um learn a special song for me to sing to uh propose to my fiance um i did uh what was it i believe it was called song number three by uh stone sour which if anyone hasn't heard that song yet it's an awesome song and you should hear it um but yeah, I performed that song and brought uh, Ketchup Kitty on stage with me. And uh, right as the song was wrapping up, I uh, popped the question. Um, and that was that was an amazing thing. I was so glad that I got to do that with Zephyr, and I got to do that in front, like, in front of the community. Um, that basically brought us together. And uh, I wanted to make it this special moment that, you know, not only was it bringing together. Um, my own personal interests with performing on stage as my character, but I wanted it to be this, you know, this thing that it was almost as if it was giving back to the community to share in that moment um, where I could propose in front of, you know, the furry fandom itself uh, as if, as if a way to say, thank you for bringing us together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. It, I was there for that show and it was definitely, it was amazing that end part when that happened. Like, oh, thank you, man. <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot of planning that went into that, and we never actually got to rehearse that song either. Oh, that that had to be a bit of a rush then. Yeah, I mean, I think the band got to rehearse <laughs> like on their own, but I never got to practice with. Them. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so what would you say is your worst show then? Ooh. Um honestly this is this is kind of be gonna be a little bit of a, a cheating answer because anytime I make a mistake during my set um basically is the worst moment ever for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's a literally moment to moment, be if like you know, I drop a pick or I miss a note or like I forget lyrics or anything like that. In that moment, it's the worst moment ever. <laughs> um of course you know you have you have good shows you have bad shows um there have been a couple shows where i've been disappointed in my own performance but as long as people have enjoyed it i haven't really you know let it affect me that much sure it's a whole it's a whole process you go through of accepting your own shortcomings and learning from them that that whole philosophy um but yeah, I mean, when it boils down to it, nothing's worse than, you know, realizing you screwed up in the moment and then having to basically laugh it off and continue the show. Um, 
but uh honestly uh, i think i touched on this earlier my first my first performance at a con was at a talent show for uh furry connection north and uh like i was doing an acoustic cover of man on the moon by rem and like two bars into the song i literally stop dead in my tracks and i'm like i don't know the words <laughs> oh boy yeah and so um bucktown tiger uh ran off stage and got me my lyric sheet that i had kept in my bag and brought it out to me and i'm like oh that's why i can't remember shit <laughs> And so, you know, luckily I laughed it off and was able to continue on. But I guess in, it was a blessing in disguise because I got the worst of it up front. You know, that, that was my first time being on stage by myself, first time performing at a con, you know, and here I am just making the worst mistake ever, which is screwing up so bad that you literally have to stop the music. Because a lot of professionals, what they do is if they screw up, they just keep it moving. Yeah, me, I was so like gone at that one moment that I had to stop, and just... I think, in a way, it was my worst, but it was also entertaining for the crowd, so I couldn't really complain. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they, they started humming the Jeopardy theme music. Uh, huh. Oh, you know that's well. Perfect. They were waiting for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's glorious! Like. Yeah. no offense to you at all but that no is... i know dude like i'm i laugh at it now um but yeah it's uh if maybe maybe later on i'll post um i'll post a link to that video in like the discord chat <laughs> oh boy that that would be wonderful to see yeah that's back when i had hair <laughs> <laughs> fellow baldy like me Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm 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 living my dream with my uh, with my first suit right now. <laughs> I'm not alone. Yes. Uh, word of warning: <laughs> I found this out the hard way. Do not get a resin head. Ooh. Um. Well, I mean, people people get resin heads, and that's fine if if they line it with enough padding. You know. Um. No, the actual issue is though. Um. It doesn't have anything to grab onto on your head, so it slides around. Oh. That weight just is constantly shifting on your head. Oh, that's yeah. So resin heads do not work very well with bald people. Well, yeah, I guess that's a learning experience on its own. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that is actually kind of a good segue into the next topic. Besides music, you do artwork. You made your own fursuit head and uh, some animation too. Yeah. Um. Originally. Uh, way back in the day, I was always kind of like, not necessarily like really heavy into art, but it was always a, a, a big interest of mine. Um, like all the way up through middle school and high school, I was in art classes and, uh, you know, I ended up attending uh, College for Creative Studies in Detroit. Um, but even like before then, I had really no formal drawing training. Um Let's see. Uh, I basically got my start in, in high school doing drafting, which is like, you know, tech drafting for like, you know, uh, mechanical parts and things like that, where you basically measure things out and plot out this, you know, 3D rendition of what it should be. And that moved into doing 3D animation stuff. 
which of course, as a gamer, I was like, I'm going to make video games when I grow up. Um, and so originally that was my whole thing is I wanted to get into that because I'm like, oh, I'm interested in it. So it's got to be fun. <laughs> um, so I went to get like a 3D animation uh, degree, which of course, in order to do that, you also have to get your basic uh, art training and drawing and design and digital artwork. Um, I even did like video editing and uh, like After Effects stuff, things like that in college. Um, shoot, I even did like sculpting in clay. I did metal shop. I did glass shop. So I did a little bit of everything. Um, yeah, Jack of all trades. <laughs> master of none. Yeah. Um, but people don't know the end of that saying. It's but better than master of mm -hmm. one. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I basically in in college, I actually ended up starting to make my character in 3D. And I'm like, huh, this could be something. Started animating with it a little bit. And then, you know, the whole fandom happened to me. Uh, and then I'm like, I'm going to shift my entire view on life. Uh, so basically years after I started tinkering with the idea of making my own suit because God knows I couldn't afford one. Um, and it basically over, over the course of like three months, I was like, Hey, this kind of works. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, my, my suit itself, uh, was basically a work in progress for more than like a year or two until you see it as it is now. Um, and even then it's still kind of like, I still touch it up from time to time, um, over the years, you'll probably see the hair get longer by magic. <laughs> um, Can never be long enough. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, over the course of making my own suit, um, I was actually thinking about uh, once I get settled on my uh, rooming situation about opening up for fursuit commissions. Um, now, this is just kind of my me getting my feet wet, so to speak. Um, aside from my own suit, I have no experience with making any other species or anything like that. So I may stick to like dragon characters or at least like, you know, scaly characters. Um, just because I've never dealt with fur before. It's all been fleece and uh, vinyl. Um, but yeah, I would, I would love to see if I could maybe corner the market on like uh, dragon characters, I guess. <laughs> All right. So any any of you scalies or whatnot out there? Yeah, give me give me your money. I might make something. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, I mean more more news on that once I find out where I'm going to be living next month. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, be an interesting trip. Yeah. Oh, and and even mentioning that, uh, uh, Ketchup Kitty has also her current suit that she has, um, aside from the paws. And the tail, I believe, she made herself. Um, she had been working on her own head for a while now. It's still kind of a work in progress. She even may remake it over the next year or so. But uh, if things go well, her and I might actually go into business together. Oh, that'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Now, along with the artwork that you did, do you do artwork commissions or like uh, animation commissions? Honestly... 
it's been one of those experiences where um i kind of realized that the effort that i was putting into drawing and animation weren't what i wanted to get out of it um i find that working on my suit was more of a rewarding experience than any any animation or 3d work that i've done in my entire life so it's so hard it's so hard for me to justify picking up drawing or digital animation again because of the enjoyment that i get from the physical side of it not to, not to downplay that for anyone else that you, you know would appreciate one over the other but honestly my skill as a drawing artist and as an animation artist weren't satisfactory in a way to me don't get me wrong it's probably because like i never had the ability to really practice uh or put myself to a really regimented schedule when it came to that at least with making suits or at least working on my own it was not only a learning experience but it was a visceral like achievement experience to me because you actually have a finished product in your hand when you're done whereas opposed to with like drawing on paper it's just like okay i mean i can look at it but <laughs> so it's re it's really hard to say if i'll ever get back into that side of things again however i will say that um i probably wouldn't mind doing uh pixel art minecraft skins back like i used to do <laughs> Because those are easy and fun to make. <laughs> oh, Minecraft! Oh boy, that takes me back. Oh yeah. I don't. I don't care if any anyone who says Minecraft is cringe just needs to grow up and like let people enjoy things. I mean, it <laughs> it's really not cringe. It's the biggest sandbox game ever. Like yeah. But, you know, of course, there was the whole controversy surrounding Notch and let's not yeah. open that can of worms. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oof. Big oof. Uh, <laughs> that's all I've got for the show, unless there's anything you want to add or anything else the audience wants to ask. Yeah. Um. By any means, if anyone else has any other questions, I'm basically an open book. Um. Uh, I see you have an after show channel here. Will we be chilling out in there for a while? Uh, yeah. Yep, we can. Okay, cool beans. Um, basically, uh, I guess a good way maybe to close out would be some personal advice that I have um, for anyone that's willing to get into the fandom or, you know, performance as a whole. Um, basically, before I started performing... I only kind of had an idea of something that I wanted to do as like, not necessarily a hobby, but something that I could actually look on like back on memories of and actually be proud for doing it. I've found that taking the chances to put like effort into your passions, um, you'll never know what you're capable of until you try. And even if you fail, you can still learn from it. Like example, like my, my first time being up on stage, you know, you know, no one wants to forget the words or, you know, have, you know, uh, embarrassment that they're dealing with, things like that. But if you never put yourself out there, if you never fail, then you can never get good. Um, 
a lot of people struggle that as with artists, uh, as artists and as performers. Um, you know, you only witness the 1% of like the finished drawing, the perfect painting or the amazing guitar riff. You know, you, you totally overlook the millions of times or the millions of hours that people have put into practice and trying and failing and the erased sketches or the thrown away artwork that will never see the light of day. You're only seeing that surface level of their performance or the surface level of their talents. All of that talent is just failure after failure after failure after failure and learning how to do it the right way. And so I just hope that people don't get discouraged in trying the things that they want to do. Um, and I hope that in doing so, they can find something that not only will give them something to strive for, but something that they can like, I don't want to be as cheesy to say find meaning in their life, but at least that's kind of what it's turned into for me. Okay, so do what makes it happy. Don't be afraid to fail at it. You're a good person. Basically, I mean, if, if you wanted to sum it up in like a really bookend way, I guess. Because <laughs> um, you never know. Like, I mean, I got my start doing talent shows. You know, uh, I still forget lyrics. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I never would have expected to be guest of honor of a con one day. So you never know until you try. Humble beginnings. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> well, all right. I think that will do it for tonight's episode. Thank you, Roshoni, for joining in. And thank you to those that joined live. Well, definitely. Uh, thanks for having me. And uh, if you ever want to have me on again, I'd be more than happy to. All right will do for sure i'll i'll let you know and if there's anything you want me to uh, plug in the show notes just send me a link and i can throw your uh twitch your twitter youtube whatever oh, yeah. in there for um, you. basically if you look up the rock and roll dragon you can find me on youtube twitter um i also have a patreon if anyone wants to help help out i'm actually moving soon so any money would be great i also have a coffee a kofi however you want to pronounce it um that kind of stuff i also have like merchandise that you can get through my patreon um and if not i also have that for sale at cons that i attend from now on so uh i guess keep an eye out for that and uh, keep an eye out for announcements on my twitter uh if i might be opening up for fursuit commissions all right yeah we'll we'll definitely keep a lookout for those fursuit commissions all those yeah. all those <laughs> dragons to be made by together. you <laughs> Well, again, man, uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right, so long, everybody, and thank you again. Bye-bye.
I'm totally keeping that in the recording. <laughs> you could like splice it together at the end. <laughs> oh, it, I, I haven't stopped yet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the warning. Well, I had to play the outro. <laughs> <laughs> 